Be intentional with finding your niche. Really take the time to dig deep, um, look at self-awareness, really figure out if you know yourself. A lot of people think they know themselves, but we'd be surprised um, when we start asking people how we're being perceived, right? And that's a big thing, how you're being perceived by others may not be where you see yourself. From Caribbean Ideas in Trinidad and Tobago, this is Uptick, a part of the Caribbean Innovation Content Network. Uptick is a show that brings you the stories of Caribbean entrepreneurs and corporate innovators that are building the next generation of great companies. These are the stories you don't typically hear of how these leaders are working to build brands and businesses that can not only impact the Caribbean world, but also have an impact on the global business stage. Their stories will move you, inspire you, push you to take action, and perhaps spark your next big idea. I'm your host, Chike Farah. All right. Well, this is a conversation that I've been looking forward to for a while. This is Chike Farrell on the Uptick podcast, and I'm joined by Lorianne Ainsworth. Lorianne, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Chike. Yes, it's been it's been a while in the making, this conversation. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It has been. So we've been cooking it to the perfect temperature. So now we're going to have a, a, a great dish today. And many of you listeners out there, Lorianne is multi-skilled. She is the CEO of the Branson Center uh, for Entrepreneurship in Jamaica, but um, does lots of speaking, um, lots of insights around being a leader, managing self while being a leader, how to, you know, take care of your mind, focus on wellness as well as drive impact. So, so I have a ton of respect for, for what Lorian is um, doing and has done and, you know, looking forward to the conversation. So Lorian, why don't we start by you kind of sharing a little bit more about yourself. Maybe tell us where you grew up, you know, both the island and the part of the island, and, and then we'll kind of go from there. Now, before we jump in, I want to recognize the sponsor for today's episode, Guardian Life of the Caribbean. They have a solution to a need that many organizations have, which is called Keyman Insurance. When you think about it as an entrepreneur or someone who's driving a fast growing business, Really, the foundation of your success is your people. Your great people become an invaluable resource to the business and they really push your organization forward. Now, without these key people, your business might still exist, sure, but it most likely will not be as innovative and as hard charging and forward thinking as before. And you see, if this happens, particularly in unexpected circumstances where critical illness or death occurs, then Guardian Life of the Caribbean has introduced Keyman Insurance as a solution to this need. You see, Keyman Insurance is a policy that a business can take out to insure their most valuable employees. You can think of it as life and critical illness cover for those who are really crucial to your company's success. And that could be the CEO, that could be your top sales guy or gal, this could be someone with a really specialist skill set. And if any of these people were to, God forbid, suddenly die or fall ill, a key man insurance policy can protect your business against some of the financial repercussions. It pays out a lump sum directly to the business, and this can be used to cover the cost of any profit losses, replacement staff, or other scenarios that you will kind of find yourself jumping into. So it can really help keep you afloat during a really difficult time and for some organizations this could be the difference between your survival or closure it perhaps is even more important to look at investing in key man cover when you're relatively small or a new company or when you're in the midst of a growth trust that's really uh, driven by a particular person or persons because this can be when you're most reliant on your staff and losing a key member could really be the difference between failure or success and you might also find that in some cases your bank might ask you to have key man insurance if you're applying for a so this really addresses an important need. So I want you to check it out. Keyman Insurance from Guardian Life. For more information, log on to myguardiangroup.com. Now, 
Let's jump into the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that intro. And I really appreciate being on the podcast today. So yeah, I do do quite a bit. Um, I am from Kingston, Jamaica. So that's a part of the island that I'm from and I grew up in. And um, I'm just very proud to be a Jamaican, a Kingstonian too. Um, <laughs> I did study abroad and came home because I love home. I love the Caribbean. And this is where my roots are. And this is where I plan to grow and support um, in any way that I can using my talents and my skills. So supporting entrepreneurs and just supporting people in the Caribbean in general is very close to my heart. Um, but I am a mom of two, one of my most important roles, I think, of all the things that I do and something that has been a catalyst for all the work that I do as well. Yeah, and at the Branson Center, we support entrepreneurs who are in the growth stage. And of course, when the pandemic hit, you know, entrepreneurs were no longer growing. They needed to survive. And so we created a program to help them recover and manage the pandemic to support them to grow their businesses as soon as they're able to. So we do that at the Branson Center. We continue to support um, entrepreneurs in that way. From my perspective, um, I really am interested in supporting people to find their niche. And I think it's so important to find their niche in life because I've seen so many entrepreneurs who have passed through the center and other institutions that I've been a part of who just aren't able to continue with their business for number of reasons. One, it's not aligned with their particular skills and talents. It's not aligned with something that matters to them, you know, something that's purposeful to them, or it's just something that they no longer care about. And so I think finding your niche is so important to ensure that the work that you're doing aligns with your strengths, it aligns with what is significant to you, and you're able to create a service that matters out of using your talents to create that service. So I personally am very interested and I support people in trying to find their niche so I do a lot of coaching and of course you know the wellness part of it that you mentioned I think all of this comes back to we have to look after ourselves we have to make self-care a priority regardless of what we're doing whether we're on our own path trying to figure out what that niche is and discover it or whether we're in the mix in the you know the trenches of our business we always have to make sure that we're looking after ourselves or we're looking after our teams and the people that we're supporting because our health our mental health is so important and it should be a priority so those are some of the things that i work on yeah well that's that's awesome and you know we're gonna dive into some of those but you know i'll kind of pick up on one of the things that you said because i remember early in my career when i was at microsoft i got introduced to or i think the company was actually using um, a framework called Strengths Finder, and there was a whole book. You know, you're probably familiar with it. That was really all about this idea of first discover your strengths and then double down on your strengths. And the whole idea that so many people spend a lot of time just trying to kind of bring their weaknesses, you know, up to something that you know is probably just average at best and it's hard to of course you should always keep working on everything but it's hard to turn a weakness into into a massive strength right whereas the strengths that you have whatever they may be if you double down on them you can find not only more joy in what you're doing but also more efficacy and, and that had a big impact on me so when you kind of talk about and when i sort of read about some of the work that you do in in, in terms of helping people to find their niche you know it really kind of 
has sparked that for me. So, so have you found that as you kind of take, you know, entrepreneurs through this and you kind of take them on this journey, you know, what are some of the ways that you help them find and tap into what their, their true strengths are, their, their, their true passions are? Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up. That's, and that's one of the um, tools that I love, Strength Finder. There are a number of others that I love as well. But this really, let me put, go back a little bit. This really started because... I was really supporting coaches in figuring out how to do their marketing. Marketing is my background. And finding your niche, creating a niche, creating a messaging is all a big part of marketing. And I realized that so many coaches, consultants were not able to actually articulate what their niche is because they didn't understand it in the first place. You know, everybody was doing this kind of a... um, copycat scenario where you know you see somebody do something you're like oh that sounds great I'm going to do that too or you know they say things that they think people want to hear and you really are confusing people you have no idea what you're talking about because it doesn't make sense to the person you're communicating it to so it really started there with just understanding okay how can I communicate what I do so people understand it and in doing that work I really started digging down with people and recognizing that people were not aware of what value they brought to the table and how they could actually help their clients and how they could actually create a business by solving a problem. So in doing that kind of digging, it really came back to the person. It really came back to, okay, so what are you good at? What value do you bring? What strengths do you have? You know, why do you want to do this work that you're doing? Why do you want to help this type of person or this type of target audience? Why do you want to help them to solve that particular problem? So all of those questions were really coming out from a marketing perspective and really figuring out, okay, in order for people to have clarity, to take action and move forward and create business models that make sense for them and create marketing plans and strategies that make sense for them and that stay in integrity with who they are, they really need to figure out who they are first and understand what those strengths are. So one of the ways that I support them, I have a 4S approach. I love acronyms. I think it's easy for people to understand um, as well as I love alliteration. So <laughs> the four S is the first S is self-awareness. When you have self-awareness and it's doing personality tests as well, is a, is a tool that you can use to really understand yourself. Self-awareness allows you to understand what the best environment is for you to work in, in particular, right? When we understand the best environment that we can create for ourselves based on our personalities, it means that we can create a space to support our strengths. So strengths is the next S, understanding what your strengths are. And when I talk about strengths, I like to carry people through this, you know, kind of zone of genius exercise where you look at, and that's something that was coined by Gay Hendricks from the book, The Big Leap. And there have just been many authors um, and thought leaders who speak about your zone of genius. But when you talk about zone of genius and we look at, you know, what's your zone of incompetence, you know, the things that you're just not good at, people always know that one. People know what they're not good at, right? Um, What's your zone of competence? You know, the things that you can do, but you're not great at, and there are probably a ton more people who are great at it, and it will likely take you 10 times longer to do this thing than someone else. Um, What's your zone of excellence? Those things that you've probably been studying or doing, and it's a thing that's making your money right now, but it doesn't bring you any joy, right? And then looking at your zone of genius, which is really around your 
way of thinking and problem solving. So I carry people through exercises to kind of figure out what's their unique way of problem solving and thinking. Strength finders are great tools to support in that, to kind of understand what your strengths are and how you use those strengths to problem solve and how you use those strengths to um, think through supporting people with problems. Because um, problem solving is what business is all about and what we do in any job. Those are some of the exercises I carry people through. So that was the second S, that's um, strengths. The third S is significance. You know, what matters to you? What's your why? Why is it important for you to take these strengths and use them in service to something? Or what's that something that you are doing work in service to? So it usually comes from people's wounds. You know, something that's significant to you is usually something that you've experienced emotionally, you've had some kind of emotional wound with it. And this is a great way for people to find something that they will stick to. Because if something bothers you, if there, you know, if there's been some pain there for you and it's significant, it means that you're going to have longevity with this business or solving this problem because it matters to you in particular. And if you don't have all three of these things, if you don't have the right environment, you don't have the right, you, you don't know what your strengths are that you can leverage in your zone of genius, and you don't have significance, then that recipe is not going to have longevity. And of course, the fourth S is service. Now, it's taking all of those other three S's and creating a service out of it. And that's where entrepreneurship, coaching, consultants can now carve out, okay, what's my business model? How do I take these three things and solve a problem for somebody that matters to me, who has a problem that um, I can solve, and how I can use my strength to solve that problem that matters to me? So, yeah, so it's a whole series of, you know, digging deep. And after you do that is when you can now clearly articulate, okay, here's the thing that I do. Here's how I help and who's, here's who I help, you know. But trying to do that who, what, how before you figure out why you want to do it is what gets people starting and stopping and not following through. It's all right. So I'm going to play those back. So it's, so it's self-awareness, strengths, significance, and service. And yeah, there are, there are lots of super cool nuggets in there, along with one of the things that I always love about the podcast is that, you know, folks always share some book or something. And, you know, you talked about the big leap, which I haven't heard of. So, so that's one for, for the listeners and for, for me to check out. But have you found that in, in your coaching and so on, that is there a world in which you can maybe sort of do okay with with some but not all four you know like if you have you know the strengths part and the significance and the self-awareness part but yet you know maybe you're not you haven't kind of tapped into the service part or have you found that you know what you really need to be in pursuit of this connection of all four well i think that you know the service part is very um it's it can be entrepreneurial so you can look at it from an entrepreneurial perspective in terms of how can I create a service out of this that I can sell? Um, it could be, how do I do work that is in service to my community, right? So it could be volunteer work, or it could be, you know, how could I be of service to a company that has a mission that's aligned to what I'm doing and it's your job. So this service part is really just the work that we do as human beings every day. However you decide to do it, whether it's taking on a job as an employee, creating a business, being a consultant, doing volunteer work. It's what's the service that you're going to offer? So I think that's a given that we all do that because we all do something. And it, it could just be, you know, how can you be of service to your family or to your friends? How can you offer this? And we all do it every single day. You know, people call us up for advice. People know that we're good at something in particular and you're of service. You're using your gifts and your talents that way. 
But to answer your question in terms of, do you have to have all four of these? So we've already said that the service is a given part, right? But um, I believe that we do need to have all three of them if we want to find fulfillment. And I believe that we are in pursuit of fulfillment, all of us as human beings. And so we go through these experiences where we learn more about ourselves, where we learn, here's what I don't like, here's what I do like. And as we grow and as we go through these experiences, we become closer and closer to these three things. And I think that these three things are dynamic. As we get more experiences, different things become significant to us, right? And so I think that it's important for everyone to know that we, it's a dynamic situation. You know, you're always, we're always changing, we're evolving. But when you can keep these three things in mind, it gives you clarity and it gives you focus direction. And that's what I think is important because a lot of times people are in pursuit of either a career or a job or creating a service and they just have all these ideas, which one to choose. Well, if you focus on these three things, if you look at, you know, does this opportunity create an environment that is best suited for me to thrive in? Or do, can I create one? Am I using my strengths 70% of the time in this work that I'm doing? And does this work matter to me? You know, when you can look at those three things and you can say, yes, these, you know, it's checking these boxes and you can move in that direction. And I think that's what's important here. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, I want to kind of go backward a little bit. You know, one of the things that I've been kind of exploring with this season of, of podcasts have been kind of these three themes, um, you know, pivots, perseverance and purpose. And, you know, I, I think I see some some connection between, you know, purpose and significance and some of the things that we just talked about. You know, I think we will continue to talk about for both the entrepreneurs that you work with and yourself, those evolutions along the winding journey. You know, some people don't like the word pivot, but, you know, for me, it's not necessarily indicative of the, you know, sort of the thing that some people, oh, no, you know, that means you're kind of continually changing and chopping and changing. I think about it more about sort of evolutionary steps that you take kind of along the journey and then of course perseverance which we'll kind of come back to as well because that's certainly been necessary in the times that we've been kind of going through and certainly in all forms of work and life and innovation certainly in entrepreneurship but i want to kind of go back to your kind of you know path and your journey so so you grew up in kingston and then you know so you were so you were studying were you were you sort of always interested in sort of the business area when you were in high school like like, like tell me a little bit more about that and kind of those early influences and what can you trace from then to the work that you do now yeah that's a great question so and my path did take me on all of these winding roads. So I just want to address something for us that I think pivoting is, is a good thing. You know, um, people don't like uh, words that are used, catchphrases, etc. But as I said, I think it's more around, you know, pursuing something that's more aligned with you, evolving, growing. And I think too much, too often people are chastised for making changes and people get stuck in something that does not bring them joy and does not make them feel fulfilled. And I think everyone should have the autonomy to move into something that feels better for them, no matter what. And that certainly was my story because in growing up in school, no, I did not want to do business. I did not want to do entrepreneurship. You know, <laughs> I wanted to have the corporate job and climb the ladder. And that was my intention. And I did start in corporate. So I was in marketing for many, many years, marketing, communications, PR and advertising. 
And I grew that skill set. And throughout that skill set, um, throughout that time, I also became a, a certified project manager. And I realized that I really liked project management, but I really liked strategy. So I loved doing marketing strategies. I loved um, working with companies on their strategy when I started to get an entrepreneurship. And I thought I was flip-flopping. You know, I was just like, okay, you know, one day I'm in marketing and I can help somebody with the marketing. But then, you know, I loved this project management until I was able to kind of pull together, you know, what I was doing and when I was most energetic and what was happening, what was my problem solving ability, what was I thinking? And I realized that I love taking complex ideas and making sense of them and simplifying them. And that's exactly what you do when you're creating a strategy. So when I was supporting, you know, these big ideas of what we want to accomplish as a company or even as a department, how did you take these big lofty ideas, make sense of them and break them down into smaller actionable steps that you could now trace back to? And it's the same thing with project management, you know, taking that, these big ideas, how we're going to make this big project happen. And I was, and I loved the idea of just creating that structure. And I did the same thing when I started working with entrepreneurs in their marketing. How could I help you structure this? But I hated the executing part of it. Like I don't like doing the execution. So it really, I had to really look at what my strengths were. What was I doing? How was I helping people? I love coaching. And when I'm coaching people, I love hearing their ideas and helping them to get clarity. And so when I started on my path of niching and understanding how to find my own niche in life and business, I had to follow those little um, breadcrumbs and do the work that I'm doing now that I now help people with and realize that I could take this zone of genius and you can apply it to any industry. You can apply it to any work that you're doing. And that, I think that's the beauty about what I'm talking about is that when people find what their niche is, you can now apply it to the work you're doing now if you're able to now figure out, okay, how can I spend 70% of my time or you know more of my time doing this work? Or how can I apply this to another industry? And that's why people will always take skill sets that they have and they can apply it to a different job that they didn't know that they could be a part of because it's not necessarily the skill, it's more around the zone of genius and how you use that skill um, in service to what you're doing. Got it. Great. So that was very interesting for me on my path. Yeah, that's that's cool. And you know, I'm curious because you and I found out um, when we met that we both went to the University of Toronto in Canada. So we both left and went away, and then and then we both went back to the Caribbean for a time thereafter. Tell me about your experience, sort of you know, studying and and living abroad. I think for me, what I found is that I, mean, I spent the majority of my career, my academic and professional life in different parts of North America. But I always joke around that I've clearly had a Caribbean homing beacon at, at multiple points in between, you know, I've kind of come back for a few years or, or so on. And, um, you know, but I found that my sort of time living abroad had lots of impacts on, you know, of course, the things that I believe and your point about significance, right? Like where, you know, you talked about, um, wounds or or what have you and you know it's probably not necessarily a, a deep wound but I, i've always had this sort of like chip on my shoulder that has driven me to want to help make the caribbean more globally competitive and influential and that's partially by you know sort of the experience of 
at least what I, you know, I don't know if it's like one of those, you know, Jordan, Michael Jordan-esque or Tom Brady, it's kind of like, like to, you just like to perceive slights to then have them motivate you or not. And it's maybe artificial, but I certainly have felt that over the course of time operating in these environments, you know, so Toronto or MIT, where people are like, oh, the Caribbean, oh, that's cool. You know, that's so nice and beaches and they kind of have this, this sort of box that they put it into. But they wouldn't necessarily, at least on first blush, take it or take you as seriously until you proved to them that you were on their level. So that was my personal experience. So, so tell me a little bit about it for you. How did that experience, you know, how do you connect your experience to your personal beliefs, your, your work and, and other things? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we did both go to U of T, which was a fantastic experience. Um, I'm not a big fan of the cold, but it was a great university to be a part of. So I did go to Toronto and I studied over there. I actually did languages in Toronto. I came back home because I was so anxious to come home. I, don't, I didn't even stay for my graduation because I wanted to be home. It was going to take a few months before graduation. I was like, no, I need to be back in the sun, in the sand. And I came home and I studied marketing and I studied business administration. I knew that I wanted to be home. But for me, my experience overseas, um, I think it's important for people in the Caribbean to travel. Um, certainly now that's been an uh, issue with COVID. But I think it opens up our eyes to what's possible. And I will say it definitely opened my eyes. When I did come home, I left for another year. I went to South Korea to teach. And it was another great experience. I was able to see a different way of thinking, other people. And I think exposure is so important for us. It's important for us as a developing nation to understand that there are different ideas out there, you know, and to see how people are innovating, to see how people are thinking and see what's possible for us. So my experience was more along the lines of, wow, there's a lot more going on in this world than I even thought, you know, um, being at home and being able to take that kind of thinking and innovation and bring it back home is very important. And I think that's something that we constantly need to do. I think we in the Caribbean are very innovative people. So it's also about taking what we have and carrying it to the rest of the world and, and letting people know, you know, how we think and how we operate. So I think it, my experience was more, um, not necessarily a chip on the shoulder, but I, there was, I, I was very cognizant that there was another world that I do want more people to experience. Certainly for me as a mother now, I want to ensure that my children get that kind of exposure because I think it's so important. And so for me, it's just being able to be versed in, you know, the world understanding people's perspectives, understanding cultures and having appreciation for it. That's what I think travel did for me. I had a great appreciation for my own culture, my own Caribbean culture, but I also have an appreciation for others. And that was really important for me, just being able to see different people's perspectives. And I think that comes into the work that I do now, which is just appreciating everybody has their own zone of genius, you know, their own uniqueness and how we can leverage everyone's strengths and support them to be their best selves. And I think that, you know, that trickles down to my, my experience. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I want to give another shout out to Guardian Life of the Caribbean, our sponsor for today's episode, and talk a little bit about another solution that they provide, which are really their pension solution. 
which is a really interesting thing because I've actually had more employees recently start coming and asking about what the company can do for them in terms of, you know, helping them to advance their retirement and other goals. And pensions can be a way that as an employer, you can kind of help to, you know, set up your employee's future or the next stage of their life after they leave your company. Um, or if, you know, something should befall them that, you know, requires a benefit to be paid to their dependents. Again, like I said before, employees are really the most valuable asset of any business. Um, and so Guardian Life is really partnering with companies to help them set their employees up with real powerful financial planning for the future, including pension plans that can help employees and their dependents after retirement or in the case of an untimely death. Of course, pensions have existed for a long time and, you know, they've been really uh, proven to be pretty useful financially for a lot of people. Um, now, they can be actually unregistered or registered and they can have a number of different advantages where, for example, if people reach retirement age, they will, you know, generally experience a reduction in income. So a pension can make up for some of this loss of income in retirement. So it kind of has an income protection value. They can also provide, as I mentioned before, protection in the form of lump sum payments and uh, payments to dependents in the event of an untimely death. And they can also provide a certain amount of tax relief where if you're in Trinidad and Tobago, for example, you can get up to $50,000 a year uh, if it's a registered pension plan. So it's really interesting because this was something that might have been seen before as something for, you know, a different era, but it's starting to become, you know, something that's increasingly more in demand and could be a way that your organization could stand out. So check out Guardian Life of the Caribbean if you're interested in getting a pension plan and exploring this solution for your organization. For more information, log on to myguardiangroup.com. So kind of switching tax a little bit, I want to dive into challenge and overcoming obstacles and, and all of that stuff, which we all have to do in some shape or form. Tell me a little bit about some of the, the hurdles that you've kind of personally faced along, you know, your journey, you know, doing the work that you've been doing now um, and, and how you kind of approached overcoming, overcoming some of the ones that stand out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, you know, when I left the corporate world, I... I took a leap to become an entrepreneur, which was um, anyone who has done that knows it's not an easy thing to do. And there are many obstacles, certainly when you're coming from, you know, a corporate world where you've been able to build a certain rapport and you're in a particular position, going to a, become an entrepreneur now, basically dancing for your dinner, <laughs> you know, it, and building a team and being responsible for your team members and the lives of other people and ensuring business comes in so you can make, you know, payroll. It's, it, it, there were a lot of obstacles there. Um, there's a lot of competition in the space there. You know, for me, I had just become a new mother and being a new mom, trying to balance being an entrepreneur, growing a business, managing a team, which was, um, a very different situation to managing a team in an organization at like a, a managerial level versus us, you know, as I said before, being responsible for someone's paycheck. It was a very difficult and different thing, something that I absolutely would not change because of the experience, but also some of the obstacles, you know, I don't find that we have as much camaraderie in, even in the, um, in the space to ensure that we're pushing each other on. And that was my experience when I had just, you know, taken the leap into entrepreneurship. And so coupled with being a female, trying to balance being a new mother, having your home in order, 
going out there getting business, it was very challenging. And so one of the ways that I was able to overcome that was, well, first having a burnout, because I totally burnt out. <laughs> I burnt out and I had to just kind of stop everything that I was doing and reprioritize what mattered most to me. And that was very, very important. And I know people say that all the time, but I think it's so important because if you don't have, again, clarity, and focus and know exactly what you're going for, you can get lost in the noise, right? And I was lost in the noise for a long time, trying to be something that I thought I should have been. You know, oftentimes we don't praise people for failure and for trying. You have to always have this, you know, perception that, hey, I'm doing so well, everything's successful. And it is very difficult. It's a difficult facade to keep up. So just being able to get back to, okay, what is important to me? Why am I doing what I'm doing? How am I going to take these steps to be successful? And what is my definition of success? Those are some of the ways that I was able to overcome it. Growing thick skin and just deciding that I was not going to listen to the naysayers and be affected by everything else and really focus in on what I wanted to achieve and just move forward with that. And that was a way that I was able to overcome things. Simplifying, getting back to basics. What is it my niche is? What am I going to focus on? Move forward and find a support system that was actually going to be a support system and not just, you know, cheerleaders on the sideline who are really talking in your back or not supporting you. So those are some of the ways that I was able to overcome that. And it's something that I still stand by. Simplify, find a support system um, and get systems in place. Mm -hmm. what, what kind of business was it out of curiosity? Yeah, so because my background is in marketing, I, I started a marketing agency where I was now supporting organizations, large and small, with all of their marketing needs. And we were supporting them with social media, marketing strategies, marketing plans. Eventually, we actually realized that we had a niche with compliance documents and creating annual reports and prospectuses and so forth. So we really focused in um, on targeting that niche. And so for the last eight years, I've had a business that does annual reports and compliance documents for businesses that are also listed on the stock exchanges, et cetera, and just removed the rest of that noise. I didn't have to be a full-on right. agency and we offered project management um, as well as operation support. So, you know, it, even the business needed to pivot and figure out what that niche was. And we found it eventually and it's it's been working. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, you said something about failure. And, and I think that that's always that's like one of the things that I, that I love to, to talk about um, with people on the podcast, which is, you know, well, how do you perceive failure and and so on in both you know kind of a life and a business context and and it's funny you you kind of just said it just now and so i'll kind of build on it because almost to a person they generally say something like well i don't really believe in failure in the way that you know um you know that it's this big negative thing it's that's how i learned and it's how i grew and it's you know and 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 so on and and i heard a little bit um inside what you said about that you know so maybe you could expand on that because you've always all you know you've had the experience personally but you've also had the experience or have the experience seeing multiple entrepreneurs you know within the branson center so tell me a little bit more about your kind of philosophy around this this thing that you know we call air quotes failure yeah i think that you know failure is it is absolutely a way of understanding how not to do the thing you know we, we always hear that quote or a version of that quote and i absolutely believe it's true and i think that failure someone who fails 
and tries again has more courage than someone who comes right out of the box and succeeds because you're learning more about yourself. You're learning about what is right for you, what's right for the business. You know, I think it's so important for people to drop, fail, get up and dust themselves off. And to me, someone who does that, who has that kind of perseverance is the type of person that I'd want to work with. And when we, even at the Branson Center, look for entrepreneurs, we're looking for people who have a proven track record. So you don't have to have the best business. You don't have to have, you know, everything right. But if you're somebody who has the right attitude and, you know, you're persevering and you're showing, you're demonstrating that you have some success in terms of what you've been able to do, what have you been able to learn? You know, how have you taken that learning and used it to do something even better? That's what's important. And I think as we go through life, we need to just allow people. And, and that is something that I try to teach my children as well. And I hope anybody who has children listening allows, allow people to explore and figure out, you know, this is what's right for me or this is not what's right for me. And we have a tendency to think that once we become an adult, you have to figure it out. Just like, you know, when you go to college, you have to choose, you know, what you're going to major in and that's going to be it. And I think majority of the time, that's not it. Many people who have studied something are not necessarily doing something in that field. But when we start to promote a culture of exploration and allowing people to decide what's right and what's not right for them, then we're going to have more people who are doing work that's more fulfilling and joyful. And I think we just need to praise people for constantly trying. I'm not talking about the people who are just like, trying something, it don't fail and run off to something else. And which is why it's so important for me, the work that I'm doing in helping people to find their niche so that they can have more intentionality with what they're trying. You know, when you have kind of figured out, here's where I'm good at and here's where, you know, here's what matters to me. And when you're trying something in that, in that um, direction, you know, you're going to have more success. Even if something fails, you're going to, okay, let me pivot a bit rather than just, you know, shiny object syndrome, doing everything that comes at you have a little bit more intentionality by trying to figure out who you are, what you're good at and what matters to you. So you'll have, you'll see success quicker. That's so true. Cause you know, I think we do have at least certainly my experience growing up and certainly obviously, you know, again, each generation above, um, there, there, there's been a stigma in the Caribbean around failing, you know, you got to be successful, you got this, you know, and that's, that's partially why we have probably, you know, pushed, uh, you know, so many people towards, you know, the good job, you know what I mean? And, and, and that sort of thing. And, and one of the things that I respect about some, you know, the other cultures that I spent a lot of time on in, you know, in the U S and so on is that, you know, they did, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I did this. I tried this business. I, you know, of course you sell this <laughs> massively celebrate the big wins, but I think there's also a sense of, yeah, you tried it and it didn't work and you kind of kept moving and, and that experimentation is so important. It's one of the things that I always tell, you know, people as well, you know, it's, it's an experiment and, you know, it's going to, you know, you're going to learn something and you're going to be able to, to iterate from there. Um, so I think that's a really powerful point that you made. How did the Branson Center opportunity come about for you? Tell me about that. Yeah, that was very interesting. So I was actually working at Startup Jamaica, Tech Accelerator, when I was in when I was in the throes of my own business and looking for more clients here, this opportunity came up for me to do some consulting work with, um, startup Jamaica. And I started working with them. I realized that I loved this entrepreneurship mentoring thing and working with, um, these entrepreneurs. And so I drew, I dove into that in a more, um, in a more fulsome way. 
And as I started working with um, this program, more opportunities came up for me to work with other entrepreneurs around the Caribbean. And I had been working with um, the Caribbean Tech Entrepreneurship Program and just several programs that I was able to, to work with. And I did quite a bit of um, travel to many accelerators and incubators and just got a full appreciation for, you know, the work that um, these business enablers were doing. And I was able to take my marketing skill set and support these entrepreneurs in carving out strategies, helping them with their work. So while doing that, um, I got to know other players in the ecosystem and Branson Center, of course, was one of the players. And when the Branson Center decided to move from Montego Bay to Kingston, they were looking for um, you know, a team. And I was actually at a farmer's market and the then CEO saw me at the farmer's market. and was like, you need to come, you need to come and head up <laughs> my marketing and partnerships department. Um, we would love to have you. And the rest is history. I've been at the Branson Center for over four years now, which is very interesting because I didn't think I was going to be there that long. <laughs> Being, an entre being entrepreneurial minded myself, um, but I've just loved the journey. I've loved working with the brand. I've loved working with the entrepreneurs and just, you know, supporting the work that our founder is doing and the whole Virgin group. And it's just been amazing. Um, everything just kind of worked out the way it should be. And yeah. Yeah. So, so now you get to see, you know, it's always cool when you get to see you know, across it, kind of almost like standing on top of the mountain. And you're going to get to see, you know, what's happening in the startup entrepreneurship space kind of across, you know, across the region. And we've talked about kind of some of the things like, you know, you know, attitudes to failure and, and some of these other pieces. What are some of the things that have really stood out in a, in a positive way as you've worked with entrepreneurs over the course of these years? Have you been seeing any shifts in this generation of new entrepreneurs, anything interesting that, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing that other people can kind of learn from? Um, well, you know, we have, uh, we have been seeing shifts. I mean, I certainly have been seeing entrepreneurs for many years now, not just with the Branson Center. And I think there's a different approach that we're seeing. People are doing work that's more socially conscious, um, which is very important. And it's certainly important for us at the Branson Center. You know, we look for entrepreneurs who meet the triple P bottom line, people, planet, profit. And we're seeing a lot more entrepreneurs who are incorporating that those three P's in the business that they're doing. Um, maybe as a criteria to come into the Branson Center, but certainly many of them have been doing that. And so we're seeing more of that happening. And since being at the Branson Center, we actually have started working with entrepreneurs who are in the blue economy space, you know, entrepreneurs who are doing good for the planet and who are um, really doing a lot of work that's supporting um, our economy in a social in a social way. So I see more of that happening. And I think as businesses continue to start up and grow, and certainly with this pandemic, we're seeing more people who have purpose-driven businesses and I think that's what's important and that always comes back to what I keep talking about you know you need something that's significant to you and something that has purpose and it's driven by that purpose versus being driven by the bottom line and I think that's so important and just getting back to something that you said earlier you know um, when it comes to failure and we have people who are you know have their own definitions of failure we always have to remember that 
you've started something for a reason and you have different values than someone else. You know, someone may value um, wealth. And so when they're seeing that your business is not generating tons and tons of, of um, revenue or even profit, then that to them is not success. But perhaps what you are doing is making more of an impact because connectedness is important to you and it's a value of yours. So we always have to remember that when we have our businesses, you know, you have to look at what's your intention, what are your values, what's important. Some people have lifestyle businesses. Some people have businesses that will go on to, to, to raise many funds of capital and will go on to do good as well as earn um, great profits. So it just depends on what you want. And so we always have to remember, we have to look at our values. We have to look at what's important to us versus what's important to someone else because everyone is going to come into you from a different perspective that's great i love that you i love that you kind of went there because because it's so true and and yeah i I have seen a lot more you know mission driven um you know businesses and i and i really have seen what which has been really kind of encouraging that yeah there is this generation that's kind of coming up now that is sort of not they're not afraid you know um they they've seen all these examples of you know, entrepreneurship in all these different forms and they're read and they're can obviously connected with, you know, social media and technology. And they're like, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna take a risk and I'm I'm gonna go at it. And obviously we need we need more of that to diversify the region and to not be dependent on resource-based industries and so on and so forth. So it's really cool that you're seeing that kind of happening um at pace as well. Um let's talk a little bit about, you know, managing sort of challenges from the business environment has been a tough couple of years. Um, you know, I certainly seen from afar what looked like, you know, a number of things that, that, that you and the Branson Center have done differently, but maybe tell a little bit more about how you've been navigating, you know, this, this period that we've been in. What did, what did you do that you hadn't been planning to do originally? And what did you have to shift and change? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So 2020 just hit us like a bang, right? Um, I can remember when we got our first case here in Jamaica, um, we literally took our program online within a matter of days. We were, I mean, we did, we phased it in, but we had to shift our program to a 100% online delivery which was very different for the Branson Center because we believed so much in that connectedness and that, you know, we believed that Caribbean people wanted to be um, in the room with each other. And that was something that we um, experienced, you know, having the experiential um, aspect of it was so important. So moving to an online delivery took my team so much work dedication and just perseverance and wanting to support the entrepreneurs that we had in our program. Certainly, we did not expect that we would be supporting entrepreneurs who had to recover. So we shifted from an acceleration program to a recovery management program, which also I have to give my team kudos to. We, we you know we rallied all of our resources, mentors, coaches, um, everybody that we could to create a program that was going to support entrepreneurs to figure out how could they survive, how could they recover when the time was right to recover, and how could they grow when the time was right to grow. So we called it um, a recovery, resilience, and growth program, and we started by in. Uh, interviewing, we picked up the phone and we called our entrepreneurs. We did surveys of our entrepreneurs. What is happening with you? What do we need help with? Because we wanted to make sure that we were hitting them where they needed the most support. And we found that they needed help in three major areas. Strategic planning to figure out 
how do I plan for the scenarios? Because no one knows what's going to happen. We still don't know what's going to happen. So we, we, we created a program to do scenario-based planning so that they could make decisions based on these scenarios versus just knee-jerk reactions. Um, strategic finance, obviously, how could they keep more money in the business? How could they bring more money in, keep it there and, you know, also offset the costs? We went line by line through their um, financials to kind of figure out here's where you need to cut. Here's where you need to, you know, um, make changes. So we did that. And the biggest one was marketing. The biggest one was marketing. Entrepreneurs needed to figure out, okay, how do we do marketing in a big way? particularly digital marketing, because, you know, now we need to get in front of all of our customers who are all at home behind their computers. So those are the big three things that we focused on. And we had to shift, of course, my team, we went completely remote. So we had to now have a completely remote Branson Center team who was delivering an online program that was 100% digital. So, you know, there were shifts for everybody, um, shifts in being able to manage a team, manage cohorts of entrepreneurs. We actually were able to help well over 3,000 entrepreneurs in 2020 because of the programs that we were doing. We started delivering more public um, workshops that we hadn't done in the past because we really wanted to make sure that we were making an impact, not just on the entrepreneurs who were officially accepted into our program, but Caribbean entrepreneurs on a hold because we wanted to support people who were going through the same thing that everybody else was going through. So it really was a trying time, but I think that... Um, we continue to do the work that we, we need to do to support Caribbean entrepreneurs. But, you know, hey, COVID has affected everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that is one of the ones that I that I saw from afar, sort of really visible shift, I think, in seeing, oh, wow, Lauriana and the team are doing lots of, I mean, everyone had to do it. But, you know, I, I think I really noticed that you're doing a lot of, you know, virtual events, virtual workshops, and kind of taking it online in a big way, which is what you had to do, you know, obviously in terms of the format and the form factor. How has that shift, you know, we're, we're all hoping to be on the other side of this thing at, at some point, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. Some of these things that I think we shifted to, we're going to keep doing, um, you know, even in the future, and we've kind of changed our our mental model. What, what, what are some of those things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Everything has shifted and I think nothing will go back to the way it was. Certainly, you know, remote working it was something that we did at the Branson Center before, but we are doing it in a bigger way now. And I think that that model works. But more so, what this showed us is that we could have just as much impact as we had before having an online program. We actually had greater reach because of this. But we've also recognized that we could support more business enablers to support entrepreneurs. So we've actually, we're actually moving into a consulting model as well as acceleration. So we've already started to do consulting work with other entities that have their own entrepreneurs because we've had 10 years of doing a program, tweaking it, perfecting it, and getting proven results for entrepreneurs. We want to ensure that the Caribbean and really the world is equipped with some of these methodologies that we've been able to do. So we've started doing consulting work, which is very exciting. It's new for us, um, but we've, we've begun doing it. We started doing it in smaller ways um, before the pandemic, but now we're taking it in a bigger way. We're taking a little bigger step and we're doing some consulting work. And that's something that definitely came out of the pandemic, recognizing that we could 
we were able to create this online program get these things out there do more virtual work and so we're going to continue doing that yeah that's that's cool i think you know as we as we start to wrap you know i always like to to ask about sharpening the saw right um you know because someone will you know look at you and they'll say wow Lorianne, she's you know leading she's doing all this and you know wow she has it all figured out you know where, where, how do you kind of keep you know keep yourself learning new things and you know sharpening and kind of seeing at the top of your game so yeah actually learning is one of the things that you know it's one of my top strengths it's one of my top strength finder <laughs> strengths because i believe that learning is so important because we always have to be doing more to learn our craft and i don't mean just learning more about everything but it's a constant strengthening a constant you know working on ourselves i'm a big, big champion of personal development. I think that it's important for us to recognize that there's always something that you can give and you can teach others, but somebody always has something that they can teach you. And if we are able to humble ourselves and recognize that there's an opportunity for us to improve, there's an opportunity for us to take feedback and to offer more, then that's when we're going to see even more fulfillment. So it's important for me, I do a lot of reading. I read incessantly <laughs> and um, I make time for that. So I make time for it. I make sure that I, I am very intentional with my schedule and how I do things. So because I am a mom of two and of course COVID, my children are at home and they are doing school. I have a kindergartner and a um, grade two. So young kids who need that kind of attention, a team that needs my attention and I have on business that also needs my attention. Plus I do my speaking. So I have to make sure that my schedule is done in such a way that I'm dedicating time to the priorities and making sure that priorities get done first. Everything else is brought up, but um, yeah, my schedule is very important. As I said, my other three S's are systems, support, self-care. So I always make sure I get my self-care in. I have to get my sleep. I'm somebody who loves my sleep. So I make sure I go to my bed, get my sleep, get my eight hours. I'm always reading. That's a part of my um, self-care and my personal development. That's my medium. And um, I put systems in place and make sure I have people there who can support with their own zone of genius because I know that I can't do everything. So those are ways that I keep moving things along. Yeah, that's great. Because I always love to ask, you know, about about finding that balance and so on. So I love that you kind of addressed it, um, addressed it in there. So, you know, I think this has been an amazing conversation. We've covered so many different things that I think lots of people can kind of take pieces from, you know, as you kind of like look ahead, if you're um, someone, you know, th this podcast is all about um, innovation and development. And we really are focused on entrepreneurs, sure, but we're also focused on, you know, people in corporate jobs who are trying to win their market shift and kind of take things forward. So if you were to um, give a, a, a closing um, nugget, um, which can be either from the accumulation of experiences over the longer course of time or more recent, uh, what would be that, that nugget that you would kind of pass along to someone who's trying to start something, build something, do something different, um, you know, this year? Well, you know, it's going to go back to the thing I've been just talking about all hour long, which is be intentional with finding your niche. Really take the time to dig deep, um, look at 
self-awareness, really figure out if you know yourself. A lot of people think they know themselves, but we'd be surprised um, when we start asking people how we're being perceived, right? And that's a big thing, how you're being perceived by others may not be the way you see yourself. So really take the time to figure out, you know, what's your niche. But if you had to choose one thing out of everything, you know, everyone is going to be on a different journey. Somebody is going to know exactly why and they're, you know, the, the thing that's significant to them. Other people will know something else, but I think finding your why is so important. And when we find our why, um, what's significant to us, it kind of gives us like a little light that, you know, we can move towards and then, you know, take it from there, then take it to the strengths and the, the you know, self-awareness and the service but if you don't know your why it's going to be it's going to be harder I think but um that would be my that would be my nugget from my own experience start digging into your why what's important to you what's significant what matters love it well Lauriana it's been you know it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you um you know really enjoyed it really enjoyed just kind of you know, digging into some of your background and some of your experience and, and how it's kind of, you know, translated to your coaching and so on. So thank you for the time. Um, and it was it was really great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This was great. Awesome. Okay, great. Take care. I'd like to take a moment to thank Guardian Group for sponsoring today's episode. They've built their reputation around first-class insurance products, many of which are great for entrepreneurs and innovators who are out there. So it comes as no surprise that they have a cool product called Keyman Insurance in their product portfolio. You can check out this product and more at www.myguardiangroup.com. Make sure you know the next time an episode of Uptick drops by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, share Uptick with a friend. Now, on behalf of Caribbean Ideas, this is Chike Farrell signing off. And remember... Keep on ticking up.